Welcome to a special 21st edition of the Twin Geek Cast. This week we discuss Jordan Peele's sophomore effort, Us. Duplicitous doppelgangers, twin geeks, it's all the same to us. Movies and friendship, those are mysteries. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. There has never been quite like this one. It's hard to listen to your own voice. I don't think anyone likes that. Except for, I don't know, maybe George Clooney. He probably liked his voice. Yeah. Silky, smooth voice. This is, this is going in the edit, right? Yeah. I figured. Um, Oprah has a good voice. Yes. Uh, there's a transition point, right? So Apple had their uh, big TV show. Um, they they showed off a credit card for most of the presentation. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was interesting. They're they're looking at how to create a credit card that uh, is a lot safer. But um, as our friend Kevin always says, like having a whole presentation about a credit card is kind of like um, a dystopian future. Like, uh, what are we really watching? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was kind of all going down when I was at work, and I kind of just had my phone out while I was doing stuff and watching you and Kevin discuss it in our our chat there. And kind of catching all the play by play, and you're like, "Oh, everyone's clapping for credit cards. What kind of world is this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess security for your data is important, but um, locking all your money into one corporation also seems uh, a little sketchy. And like, uh, here's all these things you could buy with your new credit card, right? Like, here's a new TV plan, which uh, they didn't really show a whole lot of the shows, but um, it was about what we expected, I think. Mm-hmm. All the rumored things came through. They were all true. That's good. I thought I thought the Spielberg one was kind of interesting because he just got a lot of attention for, you know, kind of lambasting Netflix over the Oscar stuff and whatnot. But now he's on board. Like I get that he, you know, his all of his complaints were mostly awards related, but it's still it's still kind of um, I don't know uh, hypocritical. Uh, Spielberg's always done television, right? Like this isn't a new thing. He's not right. making a streaming movie, so it's not really like a hypocritical thing i i just always thought like well he's you know he's not like criticizing something that he's doing he's always done this so mm-hmm. i don't know it, it does seem a little odd i guess in in the recent um you know backlash he kind of received is all and so that's kind of everyone's reaction is kind of like what didn't he just all that but <laughs> yeah it's no surprise he's gonna have to eventually join on there because that's where everything is headed you're a fool if you don't think the tv isn't dying no, you're not just going to make Band of Brothers again. HBO's not the same. Um, you want to go with Apple right now. So uh, That's the other thing that I took away from Apple is they're not creating a Netflix deal. They're <laughs> they're reinventing the cable box, which isn't exactly what we expected. Mm-hmm. You'll give me a, a little bit more of a, a lowdown on this again. Only kind of caught the play-by-play. Just, just summarize it for me, the cliff notes. Basically, their plan is you just pay for what you watch. Uh, you cut out all the cable channels that you don't need. You get like your HBOs, and uh, you'll get like Apple stuff as like a like kind of like a gift for signing up, right? Like it's not going to be your primary focus. It's more like you're signing up for TV. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's not like they're going to compete with HBO or uh, Netflix and Amazon right now. They're going more for like a uh, you know the big cable conglomerates and i just think that as like a tech company it's an interesting way to go into creating your own programming i think it makes a kind of sense too because now they're carving out their own thing and they'll they'll build up a similar kind of empires to kind of netflix did you know netflix popped up when there was no streaming things going on so they became kind of the sole thing there so now 
Apple kind of sees the opportunity of where TV is dying and they're not doing anything to kind of course correct. So they're going to make that kind of own course correction to go in that way and just start monopolizing on that aspect of the market because TV won't die until we kind of address all of the things that the, the good things that TV still has, you know, once there's a place to watch the various shows uh, in that form, you know, as it is. It won't die until until like these until like Netflix owns all the sports subscriptions. That's, right? that's a like, big one. Yeah. Yeah, people aren't going to cut cable until they can watch the Super Bowl on their Netflix, and then, it, you know, maybe it's over there. Probably the only things, uh, you know, holding up television right now are sports, news, and, like, premium stuff like HBO still. And I know that, like, HBO, you can already get through, like, Hulu or Amazon or whatnot. And uh, even some sports channels as well, but depending, but it's not quite the same as it is on cable right now. Right, like I get the NHL package, right? But then uh, all my games are blacked out if it's not, uh, you know, a local network. Or um, if it is uh, even NBC, then I don't get it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 impossible to get every game of a sport anyway, uh, no matter which way you go. Right, which is unfortunate. I mean, it's 2019. We should be able to watch any sports <laughs> game going on. Come on. I mean, these are being televised somewhere. It's just that there's... It's, it's like when... Uh, I guess we should say, like, right after the last uh, podcast, the Disney-Fox thing went through, and there were all these, like, deals with, um, you know, local affiliates that they couldn't bring on, so, like, uh, you know, Fox News and a bunch of local affiliates are left with uh, Murdoch and the old company. You know, I have to say, if if Fox News doesn't kind of come along, that's fine with me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No loss there. Um, Yeah, Disney didn't have to update their header with, like, um, you know, who would they put on, Glenn Beck or something? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think disney wanted to touch that anyway so glenn beck and bart simpson mickey mouse um who knows i mean if, if television dies maybe the whole kind of news media landscape will, will shift entirely and that would be interesting to see i have no idea what would happen though yeah i mean it already it already kind of has toward like a social media where it's like anything on tv is old news right which is not necessarily a good change you know it's uh you know, people still aren't doing the proper reading and learning about things. They're still just, you know, regurgitating whatever they read or hear about on news or whatever. But I don't know. <laughs> That's almost caused them to become even more partisan, right? Because they're already going to have old news. So if you have old news without a spin, then you're not going to have an audience. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we, we shouldn't get too much into politics and news here, I think. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> We're, think, uh, we're a movie podcast, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no movies, really. Oh, there was an Aquaman trailer at the Apple thing. <laughs> no movies shown. <laughs> I'm sure everyone was excited to see that for the 500th time after seeing it in front of every movie, you know, they went to go see in December. It's been out for three months, and it's like, okay, that's a buy-in. But uh, speaking of uh, Fox, uh, at number 10 in the box office. Yes, box office. Let's get into it here. 10. Is, is Alita Fox? Oh, yeah, yeah. it is. It says Fox right there. Well, now it's a Disney film, so. <laughs> <laughs> the new Disney princess is Alita, uh, Alita with the big eyes. Mm-hmm. And the Xenomorphs, those two are Disney princesses <laughs> now. They even have a queen. <laughs> I can't wait for that crossover. Yeah, a lot of people weren't asking for that, but, uh, you know, especially there was a big news about the, I don't know, I saw like five people at least, maybe that's not big, but talking about yeah. that, that high school alien thing, that's where I was going. Oh, yeah, the um, uh, high school put on a production of Alien the last week. and um, 
And, it, and now Disney can sue them for it because that's what they do. <laughs> the, they might just buy the high school and create it as like one of their productions. <laughs> that's where the new high school musical is going to be at. Like it's a high school <laughs> musical for real. And now we have um, we have Avatar also under Disney's roof. That's going to be crazy. Well, that's good because they've been building the Avatar stuff. And it's been open for a while too. That Avatar park, and I've seen good things about it. But when I remember when they first announced it, I'm like. Does anyone actually care about this? <laughs> um, not as much as I care about Alita, which is hey, uh, a fine movie. Uh, I hope it gets a sequel someday. That was pretty good there, I have to say, because we started with Alita and then immediately bounced off onto Disney, then came back around to Avatar, which links back to James Cameron here. Oh, yeah, you're right. And, good um, planning that's there. that's where we're going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, James Cameron was the producer on it, and he was working for on it about 20 years, this project. It's insane. I can't imagine like any like committing twenty years of my life to to people just alone rather than a project. Right, like it was just something he just couldn't quite get made. Uh, he always thought the technology wasn't up to it, and um, at least now it's obvious that it was because uh, this is a good looking three D movie, and that's really all I got. Mm-hmm. Reviews on the site if you ever guys ever want to read it. Cameron did a great job there. Same with the next film as well, Lego Movie Two. Another thing we got a review for. Yeah, it's fine. We've talked about it. It's been in the box office seven weeks. We don't it'll need still more. Probably, it'll still probably be here next week, too. Probably a lot of these films. Well, I guess there, there might be some interesting things coming next week. Yeah, so two new things, things coming up. next week. Cool. And they will definitely be in the box office, I'm sure. And in the meantime, uh, a new one we do have here to talk about, at least, is number eight, Gloria Bell. Uh, Sebastian Leo is uh, one of... He's a Chilean director and. He's one of my like pet projects to like kind of get the word out about anything he makes. I enjoy going. Yeah, you've you've reviewed like his other films so far, and now you've got your review for Gloria Bell up as well. And I've never seen the original Gloria, but from what I could tell of Gloria Bell, it translates amazing into English. Um, Julianne Moore is really good with the uh, John Turturro, uh, who's always like a uh, haunted anyway, and they have a difficult relationship. Um, and Gloria Bell, like all of Leo's films, are about like finding yourself in some way. Mm-hmm. I think John Turturro's an interesting actor. He's usually more of a bit kind of character actor, so seeing him kind of get a, a bigger leading role like this is, <laughs> is interesting. Yeah, he gets a lot of screen time. Uh, he runs like a, he's kind of in arrested adulthood. He has these uh, three women that rely on him, and his only fundings from like a paintball park that he runs for adults to be boys, and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of about her having to like grow up and move past these shallow men that she keeps uh, uh, finding her way into. And she still has kind of a connection with her husband, which pushes him away. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think everyone should go see Gloria Bell. It didn't get enough money. It's another one of those romantic comedies that you kind of really dig. That's your that's your niche around here, right? Yeah, I don't even... Like, I mean, like, tragic romantic comedies, uh, you know... Uh, Shakespeare wrote tragic romantic comedies, right? That's a that's that's a basis of some good literature and filmmaking. That's like his most famous thing, right? Like Romeo and Juliet. That's the the biggest romantic comedy. I think what's interesting about that, just just kind of deviate for a moment, is that you, your opinion of Romeo and Juliet changes as you kind of grow older. Because as a kid, you're like, this is really stupid, you know. And then as you kind of grow up, and you're like, oh no, it's a it's a real love story. They care about each other. And then when you're adult again, you're like. No, these kids really are stupid, and that's the whole point, is that the families are the stupid ones really pulling them apart. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a story about teenagers who are so stupidly in love with each other after knowing for like two weeks they just kill each other. I mean, like the uh, rom-coms are basically Shakespeare adapted, right? Like that's why I'm into the genre because they're, uh, whether or not they know they are, they're classically trained literature in some sense. You could probably make a pompous argument that all modern, you know, writing is Shakespeare adapted in some way. <laughs> I only get pompous about rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess speaking, is this next one a rom-com as well? I don't know still because I don't know anything about it and it's still no, here. <laughs> no munches Frida. Um, we, two, we don't know two. Anything. Not the first one. It's two. This is the, it, the sequel. <laughs> I felt like it, it's still making a lot of money for nobody knowing anything about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here, let me check IMD, because last time it had like 300-something reviews. Yeah. But let's see if it's changed much. I mean... No, no, never mind. I take no that. Munch's Frida, because it, it has a sequel, right? I, yeah, I have to correct myself, because it definitely did not have 300-something reviews last time. It must have had like 36 last time, because now it's only at 72. Okay, maybe they have... Uh, maybe they've gone down. They decided to remove their reviews. Maybe, or maybe I just have bad memory. There's, there's like, no information about this film. There's not even, like, a picture. It's just the poster. That's all that's on IMD. What the hell is this? I know, and the poster doesn't really tell you a lot, A, because it's in Spanish, and we don't really know what that means other than No Way Frida. And also, there's just people taking selfies, and what? Yeah. what is it? I, I don't know. It looks like, like, it, it reminds me of, like, some kind of camp film like that that's the first thing with the poster with the thing there it's framed in a in a wooden kind of thing it looks like a kind of vacation film or like a teen comedy of some kind yeah. it seems that's what it's that's what it's framed like to me but like a 2000s teen comedy <laughs> it has no purpose here 20 years later no it has like no personality or purpose and that uh it's the kind of film that we no longer make in america so uh, maybe there's still a taste for it because uh uh, I just know this guy breaks out of jail, and that uh, that's the plot of the first one, too. He goes on a hilarious spree to find love. Um, that's the, fir- the first one's also not rated very well. It's like, no. <laughs> and neither is this. And I don't know why it's still in here for no. two weeks. Please. Go see, go see <laughs> go. Gloria Bell. This is such a shame. <laughs> this, is, this is outdoing Gloria Bell right now. How do you feel about that? It's it's disturbing because that's a A twenty four project and I don't even know who this is. It says it says PNT. I'm not sure what the abbreviation is. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, oh. oh, I don't want to talk about this next one though either. Oh yeah. Uh, Tyler Perry again. Medea family funeral. Well, we don't need to spend any time on it. Uh, the franchise uh, seems to be ending, thankfully, but um, we don't. I don't know. People do people like this franchise? Like, do the people that go to it? You think they like it? Not not the people that we know or want to associate with, but there right. are people who definitely like this. It wouldn't be hanging around for so long if people didn't dig it. There wouldn't be 14 of these fucking things if, you know, people didn't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's she's in at least 13, 14 movies, and um, I just, I don't, I think it's funny, the whole, like, Tyler Perry dresses as an older black woman thing, but uh, uh, maybe for, like, one movie. Yeah, well... You can't like it at all, because now you're just contributing to the problem. I know. That's, I what, know. It, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you're just here to make me more miserable about things. That's all you do. It's not like you want to do this weekly box office. <laughs> I mean, really, how much do I have to contribute? How many of these films have I seen? <laughs> One. <laughs> 
you know, and, and it was almost by accident. Right. <laughs> you accidentally saw one of them this week, so we'll we'll try to keep your record straight after this. Yeah. No more movies for me. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, number five here, we have How to Train Your Dragon, still animated film. Stays around the box a long time. Yeah. It's it's good. It's it's not exceptional. Mm-hmm. That's what's that's three uh animated films we have in the box office here. And next week we'll have another one. Sort of. Oh, yeah, we're getting around the um spring break season so kids have a lot of extra time and they need to keep these in the box office. So oh that happens. must that must be what No Monsters Free is. It's a spring break movie. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah, crack the code. Now we're never gonna talk about it ever again. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about How to Train Your Dragon. I guess. Um, no, it's good. It's fine. There's a review on the site. Check that out. Uh, number four here. I think you did go see this one this last week, right? Five Feet Apart, the yeah, I did. Teen movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the whole story is these teens have to stay six feet apart, but uh, five feet is kind of like a compromise because uh, Cole Sprouse plays a little bit of a rebel and um. He's just trying to convince Haley Lou Richardson that uh, she needs to come closer to him, right? Like, a, they have to break some kind of rule to make their relationship work. Uh, it has a very tragic ending that I wasn't expecting. Um, what, I mean, the cancer story has a tragic <laughs> end? I'm I, shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could probably guess what it is, but uh, it's, yeah, I, it's just so convoluted and um so obvious that uh i don't know i i kind of enjoyed it but i don't like the kind of films that like try to make you cry and then uh then you have to walk out of the theater right away mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they have that like gut punch of like a you know look after and always touch the people that are close to you and it's like okay now go walk out into the sunlight right they kind of pull that i like that i think that's kind of that funny thing you described it there that their their kind of teenage rebellion angst is stepping a foot closer than they're allowed to because that's basically all teenage rebellion is is you foolishly think you're breaking the rules by doing something really innocuous yeah it's like the it's like the bugs bunny thing like you're just stepping over the line you know is it rabbit season and whatnot and uh it's cool sprouse is annoying as fuck by the way i i don't think i like him at all i'm i'm not shocked by that at all i have to say uh... Has he done anything like that? Like seeing his name there, I was like, "What is this guy doing without his brother?" Yeah, um, I just don't think he's any good. You could even—I mean, you'll even be annoyed. Like, pull up the poster, and he's like standing there in sweatpants and combat combat boots. How annoying is this guy? Oh, he was Jughead in Riverdale. I don't know because I don't watch TV either. But <laughs> yeah, that's like um, that's like it. Yeah, that's a, that's basically like his claim to fame, right? Like, if you go into his MDiv, that's like his. Uh, what he's known I, I for. hate that you say it like that still. We, we went over this last week, but... Uh, Sprouse? No, Imdib. Like, oh. Yeah, I just well... Wanna... Like I said, do you say letterboxed? letterboxed or... I mean, it, it, it's the difference there is negligible, but... Anyway, I just wanted to point out again that I hate it. But, yeah, basically, his only claim here is that he, he has the Sweet Life series he did with his brother. That was, like, hey. the big thing he was known for. He's on Riverdale, apparently. And then he did this. And... Big Daddy, when he was a baby. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to see him in a, you know, box office film like this. But I always thought like, uh, if if that was the premise of the film, then there'd be like a natural like sim- 
sexual chemistry or tension there because uh, there's a little bit like they have to have sex with like a a, a pool cue and that's interesting. They, you know, they have to... <laughs> it says he's playing a teenager here. Is, it, is that yeah. what he's supposed to be? Like a high schooler of some kind? Yeah, he's like an affected high schooler. Because he's like almost 30. You know that, right? Yeah, it's a little bit creepy at this point, isn't it? Yeah, that's... I don't buy that. No. And uh, Haley Lou Richardson, of course, is great. You gotta support the girls, so uh, that's why I went. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you supported them, but probably nobody else needs to, right? <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah, watch it. It's like a bad Lifetime movie. I mean, not even a good Lifetime movie. Um, Cole Sprouse kind of ruins the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just a, there's like, there's a couple unnecessary deaths. It's it's just, it's it's depressing. I, I didn't feel good coming out of it. Well, all right. Well, let's move on to something a little less depressing. Uh, <laughs> Wonder Park, which uh, you also saw and said opens in a very loving way, right? Not depressing so at all. The mom dies within the first ten minutes, and <laughs> this yes. Wonder Park is like the girl's escape from all the trauma she faced because of it. That's That sounds very healthy. I mean, it yeah. could be in, like, some way for her to, like, deal with trauma, but it's like, um, I, I, don't, I didn't, I didn't understand why I was watching it with my daughter. Yeah, it just, it looks weird. Like, one of the biggest things, I'm looking through the pictures here now, and it just looks very bland and uninspired. Like, this animation is so lame. It, I mean, it looks like what it is, like, right, like, um, what's that Pixar movie, uh, Inside Out without a director is kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I can see that totally. Even in the character designs here, it reminds me a lot of that. But instead of being interesting, you know, emotions that you have to visually interpret in creative ways, it's just there's a bear and he's blue. And yeah, it's all it's all pretty dumb. I mean, I think it's a. I thought it was a little bit cuter than I. You know, I thought it would be like a one out of ten, or but uh, I thought it was probably like a three or a four out of ten, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's absolute trash. It just looks really bland no it's just it's just lifeless lifeless stuff i mean there's there's really nothing to it yeah it's like a cotton candy right like there's the there's no nutrition there's no value it just looks okay Mm-hmm. And it's probably bad for you as well cotton candy yeah. is pretty bad wonder park's probably bad for you don't mm-hmm. go yeah a lot of things are bad for us in this box office here like the next film, <laughs> yeah. Is it okay? I know. I know you weren't too hot on Captain Marvel here, but I was. Uh, I was probably in the middle of all the responses I've seen. I didn't have <laughs> like a hot take on it or anything. It's still making a bunch in the box office. Was at thirty four million this week. Yeah. Excuse me. Um. That, yeah. Yeah. That's not a huge drop off, right? Like a third weekend. That's not terrible. Yeah. No. Certainly. I mean, we more than. This other stuff here, it's still a huge tentpole film. Uh, I'm glad my daughter could choose between female superheroes. I just wish uh, I wish more of them were Wonder Woman level. Yeah, well, I, I didn't go see Wonder Woman, so I can't exactly say there. But from my understanding is that people liked it a lot for what it was, and Captain Marvel seems to be either delivering on that for some people or just being kind of middling for others. I'm not seeing anyone say it's bad. Yeah, I think that. Uh... I've I've heard a few takes that it's it's not great. Our review is very positive, so check that out on the site. But um, I like that it's getting different interpretations. I thought there was some good '90s stuff. Um, I liked how they used Nirvana's "Come as You Are," and uh, 
a few other good song choices in there. The biggest one, it seems to be, like, I think everyone across the board is unanimous that the, uh, you know, I'm Just a Girl was, was completely out of place from No Doubt. It was just a weirdly edited song. Like, it was the big fight of the movie, and you're going back it to Just a Girl. Like, we've seen Thor Ragnarok, and they bring us fucking Led Zeppelin, and you're going to give us, like, a No Doubt song about just being a girl. I mean, yeah, and I think that one's almost a little too literal. Like, I... Immigrant song in, um, you know, Ragnarok is also fairly literal, but it makes sense going on, and the energy of it really matches the the moment. Both times it happens. It's the thing they bring it back yeah. two times, and like I, I, I think this thing as well is that it just matches so perfectly that I can't imagine doing it with any other song in those sequences. It's and fantastic. the great thing about Led Zeppelin is they've only been in like you know four or five films. Like we we have like Days and Confused, we have School of Rock, and then we have the Ragnarok. It's there's not a lot. There's not there's not a whole lot because they're notoriously you know kind of stingy about how they lend out their their music to. They don't like to do that a lot. I'm pretty sure there's more than like five, but yeah, you're right. Off, off the top of my head, I can't name any than those others two you you immediately named. Um, and there there's. <laughs> Yeah, that sweet thing where you know, Jack Black was like, "Oh, we need uh, we need Zeppelin if we're going to make a King of Rock movie because yeah. you guys are the rock gods." And like, he made a personal appeal, so they gave him. Um, I believe they gave me their very cheap or free usage of it. So that was mm-hmm. always a cool story. I remember that was a cool thing. And actually, I think it's funny that you point that out now. Both those films you listed are Linklater films. Yeah, yeah, and they're both. Uh, yeah, they're both Linklater. Which ones? <laughs> What do you both, uh, both Days and Confused and School of Rock. They're Linklater films. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so both Linklater films, and maybe that's maybe that's part of the connection, too. They trust him to be able to use it. Maybe, I, I suppose. I don't know. I like School of Rock a lot. i got to watch it again. It's a, God, I do, too. It's a lot of fun. It's it's one of the, the better, like, the high points of Jack Black, I think, that, and, like, Pick of Destiny I always come back to. Pick of Destiny's fun. Um, he, was, he's, he had a good year last year. He had, like, the... House with the Clock and its Walls, Jumanji, and uh, what was that other one he did? Um, uh, it wasn't as, like... Don't worry, shit. he he won't get far on foot. Uh, was that Jack Black? I thought that was... Was that Jack Black in that one? He had, a, he had a bit role in it, which was a really amazing performance, but that's Oh, it. okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I like Jack Black a lot uh, when he does things right, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm glad to see him coming back, and <laughs> it was interesting to see him Jablinski last year. Jablinski Games, let's talk about Jablinski Games, right? Oh yeah, Jablin- Jablinski Games is always fun. I love that he doesn't play the games every Right. Week. It's so much fun, his YouTube channel, they started up, what a fun thing that was, and absolutely, <laughs> holy Jack Black. <laughs> Man, that should be like our bit, like I should make you hold off like 30 minutes to talk about our film every week so we can talk about box office. Well, that's, that's what we're rearing up on here now. We managed to trail off about various things, but we're coming up to number one here, which uh, we actually we get to transition into since I did go out yeah. and see it. Shockingly, shocking. Let's talk about us. Uh, us got the best premiere for a horror film, um, an original horror film all time. So it beat uh, a Quiet Place last year's record. Mm-hmm. But it was a Quiet Place record last year, I guess. So yeah, must it have been what like Get Out smashed the record then. Quiet Place than Us, I guess. Yeah, so every year we'll have a transitioning Best New Or, which Honestly, is great. I, I have a hard time taking records like that somewhat seriously because, you know, they, they don't really compare, like, um, actual uh, grosses across, like, history because of the uh, the balance of um, 
inflation, the inflation of grosses. Yeah. So, like, and, you know, if, if you tried to compare to something from, like, a 40s horror film, not that it didn't outpace it, but it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's it's not hard when you're measuring in 2019 money. I know, and we're in, like, 4,000 theaters now, so you just look at these films with fewer theaters, obviously they're not going to make that money. Yeah, you got to take it with a bit of grain of salt, like, consider the context of it. Like, you know, of course, you know, our, our movies, you know, watching has expanded so much. No wonder we're, and t- tickets cost more, too, of course, you know, it's 50 cents for a ticket in the 50s. <laughs> right, it's it's fairly easy just by how things have worked naturally for a film to break a record today, like... Halloween, of course, would be the highest-grossing horror film, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I'm thinking about that now as well, and I'm kind of frustrated by some theater experiences because when we went to go see Halloween last year, me and you, for our very first podcast, I paid like twenty bucks a ticket or something <laughs> for me and my fiance, and when yeah, I went to go a... see us now in a nicer theater that I really like with cheap concessions, I paid like six dollars a ticket. Yeah. I mean, Halloween, you were like a quarter of the box office. So. And, I, and yeah, it was, it, it's frustrating to think back on that and how much theater, you know, expenses cost. And I still want to say it is still a huge success. Like, I don't want to discount it at all because there are a ton no, of horror absolutely. movies that come out that don't do anything. Yeah, no, not, not that I, I wasn't trying to dismiss that either. You know, I'm just trying to say, you know, yeah, it broke the record, but it's not like, you know, when someone breaks a land speed record. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> I think this will be probably our most argumentative section we've ever had. Uh, yeah, is, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that here because this is a divisive film between us two. Got five on it. I like that. I like the, the, the use of the song in the movie, especially its incorporation back into the soundtrack by the time the ending came around. That was really cool. I saw some people didn't like that as much, but no, that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that... It, I was worried at first because the first drive, it doesn't play, right? Like, when they're driving into the right. town, I was like, oh, it's one of those, like, Happy Death Day things where in the club's not even in your movie. Mm-hmm. But no, it did come around, and it was the same bit as we saw in the trailer. But, it, you know... I think it was good that it didn't come the first time because then it, it would have hit you and the joke sitting there would have been kind of not as funny because you saw him in the trailer as that often happens. But since you know we already had that, we're able to experience it naturally. Um, but yeah, I have to say uh, the music was was always fantastic throughout the film. <laughs> yeah, it's well implemented, and he seemed to you know um, a lot of this is building upon Get Out, which I think is a fil- a film about dualities anyway. Uh, so I think Jordan Peele's reached back into his experience and he's created these tethered, which are like mere images of us that live um, underneath the surface of the of where we live. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to kind of hear more opinions and interpretations of you on the film since you were so positive on it, because I felt that it was very underwhelming in its uh, attempt to kind of broadly explain things. Like, it, yeah. the movie seems to simultaneously explain too much and not explain enough. Like <laughs> I it think gives that's a, the sense I'm getting as well from, from reactions. Mm-hmm. It, it throws out a lot of things there, but if it had thrown out less, it would have been less of a problem because there are less things to question about, uh, specifically towards the end, which we'll get to. I'm going to save a lot of those uh, queries for later. Yeah, so this story is about a family who... Um, it's kind of like a 
commentary on like our soulless Airbnb lifestyle, right? Like they're just going to the coast and it's old 80s, but it feels new and it feels like a commentary on those uh, social values. So we could say that 80s, um, there's a lot of parallels when you look at like Reagan and then Trump and then you could pull it back and forth between them. Um, uh, you could say they're tethered. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, Trump is like the uh, evil basement dweller of Reagan. <laughs> I um, guess, I mean, depending on some of what you ask, it's, you know, Reagan was also something of an evil, you know, basement dweller, just, uh, yeah. he, had a, he had a bit more charm to him. Yeah, and our country was prospering in a different way. Um, there's there's a sense of, like, a, you had just gone through Live Aid and all these 80s benefits, and you had, like, this Hands Across America, which was, like, a kind of bullshit benefit that, uh, you know, <laughs> said that it would raise, like, 50 million, or only raise, like, 15 million. Uh, it was USA for Africa. Um, well, so. I think that's that's an interesting aspect of the film, uh, bringing it up because Hands Across America is a very important thing they establish, you know, from the beginning with the kind of TV commercial thing there, and then it becomes a huge event later in the film. But for a lot of people who are viewing this film in 2019, they probably don't understand the relevance of Hands Across America, right? And any any commentary provided there very probably goes over their heads. As you know, because they don't give any context for what Hands Across America is. It's just this event where people linked arms across the country to to kind of some awareness or unity or something. They don't actually explain what it is or what it does or what it didn't do. And so that's one of the many kind of emblematic issues of us that I found. Like you say, it's Peel going in and both um, over expositioning and also not providing enough. Where yes. there is a sense in the, like, we get, it's like Get Out, where we get a whole VCR tape of what this is, but then I don't know if a modern moviegoer could tell me back what they saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole thing was, it was people stretched all across the U.S., but then they realized there are a lot of desert regions, and uh, uh, there were a lot of broken links in the chain. And this one's different because now it's the black people and it's the dispossessed, whereas, you know, Hands Across America is all the rich celebrities and, like, that whole era of, like, Oh, Queen is Live Aid. Michael Jackson is a uh, Hands Across America, and with mm-hmm. that, he brings in like a lot of thriller elements, right? Like I think the that, girl I think has the shirt, and yeah, and, that, so that was interesting. I remember when I saw the shirt, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's unfortunate timing now, <laughs> having come off with leaving with, Neverland just yeah. recently." And where that's the, gonna play? They have the single leather glove also, so they have like the whole. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. The single glove thing, yeah. yeah. And, like, red, like, her whole outfit kind of fits, like, the whole thriller jacket vibe. So there's, like, a whole aesthetic built around Michael Jackson, which is really unfortunate <laughs> right now. Right. Because, again, as you said, he was very uh, a big proponent in Hands Across America. as a huge thing. Um, yeah, he, he even recorded the song with, like, Bruce Springsteen and all these other artists at the time. Uh, I forget the name, but uh, there was a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember exactly the name of the song either, but you're right. And that's the thing is that that's another, like I was saying, it's, you know, the fact that we don't remember a lot about Hands Across America is kind of an unfortunate aspect of the film because we're missing a lot of important context there. Peel places this important historical element of the story that's vague and, you know, doesn't explain anything about it. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, you guys remember this event from, like, 30 years ago? <laughs> well, I think I think that's, like, the innocence of the child, right? Like, we later learned that that is what she pulled into as her last memory of memory of what society would do. Right. She never mm-hmm. got to see the results of hands across America. Cause 
she was confined in this basement. So she had this whole plan based on the optimism of the 80s that never really came true on the <laughs> outside. But uh, she had this perspective like, oh, it's a hopeful event. It's the last thing I saw, so I'm taking it. Right, so I get that. So she kind of repurposed it in a similar way to, to enact her plan at the end uh, when she kind of, you know, grows up and, you know, reinvades the, the surface world or whatever, and she does a similar Hands Across America stunt, which the, the film ends on, which but, I found inconclusive. Like, I'm not, I'm at the end, I'm like, I'm not sure what this Hands Across America stunt was supposed to achieve. Yeah, I think... Um... Well, I think we know what the other one was meant to achieve, but for her, as right. just a young girl, I, I don't think it has a lot of perspective other than showing like connectedness, and uh, usually you get a different perspective of people from the underground, like they're monsters, but in this case, it's supposed to be like underclass and what the upper class does to repress them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just not sure what the 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 world domination plays. So, so that's the thing, is that... The film started to go south for me once I realized that it was going to be an apocalyptic movie yeah. and not the contained kind of home invasion thing that it was advertised as and had been for the first, what's that, like almost hour? Probably like yeah. 40 to 50 first minutes or third so. ish yeah. Yeah. First and, third is what you see in the trailers, but then it's a different movie. Right, which I'm totally cool with. I like that the trailer did not give away the whole film. It's just that that I, I realized that was the moment in the theater when it clicked with me that this was not going to go as well as I thought it was, and it was it was a couple of reasons why. And I'll say this: so everything worked really well up until the second home where they go and visit the the white friend's family that they have or whatnot, and then when their their tethers show up and just murder them out of nowhere. Now the first problem I had with that was that. It didn't make sense for what the Reds, the, the Tethers, were doing up until then. You know, the Lapita Nyong'o family were torturing them, and they, they sent all their Tethers off together to chase and mess with each other and to, to torture them in, you know, in some different ways. But the White family Tethers, they just straight up murder everyone. Like, it, not even necessarily in a mirror kind of way. They just kill them all real quick. And there was, like, no purpose to it, it seemed to me. It was like, okay, that seems incongruous with what the other family was doing. What's going on here? Um, I guess we should talk about what the ending is if we're going to talk about this film at all, because it's hard sure. to it's, it's very hard around to. it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the original girl that goes into the funhouse mirror, she gets, uh, what would you say, replaced by uh, by her tethered being. Okay, yeah, I guess, do you want to get into that already? So Yeah, I guess we have to expose it if I can talk about the rest. Sure, sure, because my big question with that is that all right, so so the, let's go ahead and just establish the twist. The twist at the very final moments of the film is that Lupina Nyong'o's character, after defeating her tether, looks over to her son and gives this kind of like malicious wink smile at him. So that and, and then we get a flashback to the rest of the context of what we'd seen from the '80s. We find out that the the tether original tether that we saw in the mirror actually switched places with the little girl. So the one who did create the uprising that we've been fighting against the whole time was actually the original Lupita Nyong'o as a child. But it's a really empty and vapid twist to me, because I don't oh, really? think. I th yeah, I, I thought don't... Lupita Leonga was was incredible. Oh, I'm not saying roles, her, so. her performance was not. I'm saying the twist, the actual mechanics of the twist, they have no meaning. I don't think. I don't think it changes <laughs> anything. What does it? What does it change? Explain it to me, please. It surfaces that she's going to. Well, like on the surface level, that she's going to go on and live her life as the. Um, 
you know, as the replacement of her other being, and that, uh, um, but she was already I mean, doing. What are you that? looking for? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Knowing that she was the mirror little girl instead of the one who went into the place in the first place, it doesn't change anything. She's still the same character. We went with the journey through the whole film. It, it the new context given to us by the twist doesn't affect our perception of the character at all. It doesn't imply that she's going to do anything differently or that she had any malicious intent. It, it, it it's vapid. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, she's replacing the whole girl's life. Like that, she had the already, girl didn't do anything wrong, she, right? She had already replaced him by then. Like it doesn't change anything we felt about the story the whole time. Yeah. So the girl hadn't done anything wrong. I just think it's fascinating that she would go and, you know, she trained these people that can't even speak. So, like, uh, you see this little girl, she comes back from her uh, festival trip completely traumatized. She goes into the doctor, so it was satisfying for me. Like, uh, it's built up that she kind of, like, grunts and can't I mean, really talk around uh, other people. And she has, like, a trauma when they're returning to the beach, right? She doesn't want to go. I think the only thing it really changes, because like, the thing is that the trauma doesn't make sense to me anymore, because her character wasn't traumatized now because she was the the other girl in the mirror. The only reason she couldn't talk when she came back was because she'd never talked before in her life because that's they didn't have a language down there. You know, the only I reason thought it was, was I thought it was interesting that the tethered always kill by the throat. That's another thing she does. She the uh, the mom kills people by the throat because they can't talk. Uh, I, I can see that. I guess I, I noticed that in the theater when I watched it, but, you know, it's just one of those details. But, yeah, the... I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that the the twist means anything to the film. I mean, I don't I don't know if it needs to as much. Like, I enjoyed it and found it satisfying, but, like, I don't think it's, like, revelatory. I felt it was getting built up the whole time. Also, it just feels cheap to me. It feels like a, a last-minute tactic to kind of, to make the audience like, whoa, you know, oh, this crazy <laughs> thing happened. But if you actually think about it, it doesn't mean anything. This yeah. doesn't change anything. If you if you take that part out of the film, you walk away with the same understanding of the story. So to me, it's a, it's a cheap tactic that's that's entirely pointless and uh, you know a little. Um, it's a little uh, confusing that that only one of the people ever broke out at the uh, the the bottom there, right? Well, like I said, and then and then it spins and it's a whole so many issues, and I don't want to turn this into a big nitpick of the right. movie because like, there's, I don't there's I don't like issues. looking at like plot holes in horror, right? Because at some point I have to like suspend my disbelief and not really worry about horror trying to be like people pleasing or something right right but this is what i mean when like you know jordan peele sets up this whole big world of this underground and everything but it doesn't make logistical sense in in what we're told yeah. because there's so much that happens around there and down there but like because they all have things you know like, I mean, like the little, little the little girl is given a shirt in both the the main world and the underground world but where did they get the shirt where did it come from I mean, I think it's I think it's all like a big metaphor. Like some of it's a bit clunky or obtuse, but like the whole thing is, you know, this girl, you know, you're not always born into wealth or something, right? Sometimes it doesn't matter what you do, and you are your worst enemy in some sense. Like we're all destroying each other, uh, and mm -hmm. so us, like the double entendre with the United States, is kind of a representation of how we're bringing each other down and how we're. Uh, kind of taking over each other's lives to be able to propel ourselves, but we're not doing anything to help the people that are below us in some sense. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a, it's a muddy metaphor, I think, because the story presents everything is very literal, including the upside down world. So when it doesn't make logical sense, it just, it becomes confusing. 
even if it's supposed to mean, uh, supposed to mean a, in a more metaphorical sense than literal, it's it's presented literally, and there's too much information provided about it. You know, had had we just like if we didn't see the effects of the uh, main world and how they mirror down in the below world, I think we'd be able to buy into the existence of the lower world a lot easier. Yeah, because there's less to question. You know, that that's the biggest thing here is that especially with horror is that you're better off not showing a lot of things, letting the audience's mind run with whatever mysterious spooky shit could happen, you know, in this thing. And that's why I found the first half of the film a lot more compelling, especially with uh, Lupin Nyong'o's terrifyingly chilling performance. And I think that's written. I think that's a lot of the, the frustration, too, that Peel is withholding a lot of things. Like, a, there's a lot more to this film than Get Out, but all of the pieces that he knows aren't necessarily in the story, so they don't always connect the ideas that you would want them to. Like, it's not always satisfying for us. Right, well, I feel like a lot of what you're looking for, you have to reach for. It's not immediately kind of there in the film. It's And it's not in a good way where you're kind of putting your own theories or well, ideas you, or you own projections so, but... into it. Yeah, well, that's that's my opinion. That's what we're here <laughs> to discuss, is I mean, our opinions. It's... It is your opinion, but also like the popular opinion is still holding that it it does all work that way, and that it is a excellent metaphor. Aside from like a our small circle, right? Like that's the popular opinion. I don't know. I think that you know it's hard to say because I think the general popular opinion is enjoying the film, but potentially on a surface level. Like I don't think people are walking out of the theater and saying, "Wow, I really appreciated the the metaphor of the United States in there with the duality of things." Like the the regular average Joe audience member isn't thinking about that stuff when watching it. They're just looking for the thrills and the scares provided by the film. And that's fun. I didn't think it had very many as far as thrills and scares. I didn't think it was very uh, I mean I I know it's more of a horror film than a uh, uh, get out, but uh, I don't think it has a ton of those. Uh, you know, I, I suppose so. I think there's a lot of really creepy aspects to it and a lot of um, good moments, you know, and, and lots of good uh, sequences of fighting. But, man, I think my bigger issue with the film, more than the the, the lack of information or the, the bad way in which it's provided or anything like that, is the comedy. Which oh, comes, I loved it. <laughs> no, it comes in, in, in really poor times. The jokes themselves, I think, were objectively good for the most part except for like the early one on from the daughter where she makes some joke about the fluoride or yeah. whatever that one's dumb it's a dumb joke and generally i thought her her the daughter character wasn't well written but it's fine man <laughs> it's, it's fairly excusable. you're so negative <laughs> i am I'm, I'm very frustrated by the movie but I, I already praised several things i really like the score the score is magnificent the pinyango is great i like the the lead actor as well the dad he was a lot of fun and i dug his character but and it looks great. It looks great as well, and it's shot well. Yeah. But the the script is not done terribly great, and it's got a lot of problems. And, it, and like we said, this is going to be a controversial one because I'm very negative on this film, and you loved it. Yeah, I thought the script was excellent, and that it does expose something of America that um, we're always blaming the other person, but um, few of us are willing to really look inward. Uh, we like to talk shit about others, but we don't really like to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I you know I don't know if that's necessarily the case because again, I feel like the other characters aren't fleshed out as mirrors. They don't make you know sense as to you know how they they reflect the other person so much like the the main dad character. What is <laughs> what I, does he reflect? What does he tell us about you know the dad character and what he's hidden inside? They don't. 
I don't think they project anything, any kind of insecurities or issues of the the characters. Well, I think it I think it says something about white class in America the way that it goes with Elizabeth Moss and um, what's his name uh, Tim Heidecker's character. Uh, his character kind of plays out like he does in uh, the last comedy or whatever that's called. So that's amusing mm-hmm. to me too. That, that, that was, was funny. Hilarious. My, my my fiance was telling me that it was so distracting seeing him there because she just kept recognizing him from Tim and Eric. So it was kind of taking her out of the film at sometimes. Yeah, uh, the comedy is a really great film too. So uh, everyone should check that out. It's very dark I, and I, very dry. Uh, I think again, uh, the the comedy in us, I just think comes at like really bad times. I didn't like the Home Alone sequence where they argue about Home Alone after having this this big like terrifying sequence. Like it doesn't make sense to me in context here <laughs> because the they're they're just having these serious moments and it's completely undercut by by dumb jokes about Home Alone. Yeah, I mean that whole sequence is like an inverse of the Home Alone uh, ideal. But uh, there's I love the I love the thing where he's calling out to. Um, Ophelia to play it to call the cops and uh, oh the no I hate, comes on. I hated that I hated that's that. So I funny. that was, no it was bad it's it was so bad great the, it's bad in the moment because it completely oh, undercuts rolling. the tension of things you know it's supposed to be a serious moment characters are dying and it's not this. though it is <laughs> it's the white family it's not meant to be serious are we supposed to make fun of the white family is that what the yeah. movie's telling us this no is the, this is the first film about a, a horror film about a black family so of course yes. they could take that liberty because we spent generations only killing black people in films not not only you're making I huge mean, generalizations primarily we want to we take them out first right but I, I think that's a that's a stereotype that we've projected onto horror that's not necessarily true yeah and jordan peele's part of the black noir even he says like oh that's not like a true stereotype like uh, the black guy doesn't always go first it's just that it's more noticeable when he does go yeah that's all that's not the case and i don't think that the killing of the white family was meant as a, as a literal joke against them you know like yeah well i, I, I thought it was the case i thought the whole family was supposed to like represent like an uppity white stereotype they totally do they totally are and they're uppity and, so and there's like a very... small satisfaction taking them out i think I guess I don't know. I didn't find that I was satisfied in their deaths, especially in the the way it was kind of like I said earlier, just done very quickly and without much thought or care put into it. Like you know, you you drop the metaphor of what the tethers are supposed to be, just so you can quickly kill off the white family for a couple thrills. Oh, but then nah. when when Yonga is like lurching and plunging into the neck with the knife and whatever after that, oh mm-hmm. man, that's that's such a great moment where you you realize there's something off about her. I think, uh, you know, I, I didn't notice too much of that till like, the ending, you know, where they were really laying on heavy the idea that, you know, she isn't who she, you know, is. But I enjoyed her performance throughout both characters. I thought the final fight sequence between the two Lupitas was really well done shot. I just wish that there wasn't the editing of the ballet sequences in between yeah. there. Like, yeah. I got I got I what they were trying to do there. Yeah, but I yeah, I agree that it, it cut up the, the, the sequence that was so well choreographed. I mean, right. once it once it brings uh, I've got five on it back in, I think it redeems itself a little bit. But that whole editing shot is pretty bad. Yeah, it just it, it undercuts what's going on there. Unfortunately, like I get I get the idea of it though, and the whole idea that they're trying to relate it to the the dancing which she used to kind of work through her uh, trauma, which is confusing because it's like non-existent trauma now because apparently it was from a character or maybe it was existent because she had different kinds of trauma but it's not the trauma that they propose in the film you see you see how the twist just muddies everything and makes it confusing i don't i don't think so i think it's obvious metaphor but uh, well, I, I think it well, could use a little refining on the metaphors but that's it 
Well, what do you think the, the trauma is specifically relating to, given the new context of the twist? God, what I, is... <laughs> I really wish you had seen Suspiria, because I thought, oh, Peel saw that and adjusted his ending somehow. So, I, mm-hmm. I'm even more doubting that you'll even like the new version, but we'll uh, see. Suspiria? Yeah. We'll see. I, I, can't, I can't really talk about it in that context without you seeing it, I guess, but uh, it's very similar to this, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's a whole big focus on dancing in Suspiria as well. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of focusing on dancing here. It's just kind of a, a footnote thing that they mentioned, and then they put it yeah. into the, the final fight sequence here. Like, that's basically they say she dealt with her drama by dancing. Like, and I, I felt that was weird when the, uh, uh, it's when certainly the therapist not suggested that. that. It's, like, you gotta it's get more... to talk about it or express it. You gotta dance. I was like, dance? Oh, okay. That's <laughs> not one of the first things I think of when dealing with trauma, but sure. Yeah, 80s therapy, right? Um so I'd say that it was, you have to see Suspiria, but I'd say the twist is the same. The, the twist is the same as in Suspiria? Yeah, it's very, very similar. I, I guess that. I mean, I already know what happens in Suspiria, because I'm bad. And I oh, you do? Spoilers. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I looked up spoilers. I watched a, a, an intense uh, review of it, so I know what the twist is. And yeah, 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 I can see that. But that one, again, to me, I think it actually changes the context of what had happened in the story up till then. Whereas Us's twist does not. Again, it tries to do the same kind of thing where you'd rewatch it and try to realize that, um, well, you know, like Suspiria spoilers, but that she's Mother Suspirium, right? And then uh, that that Lupita would be the the double as well. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really change the context of her character. She's still, you know, a, a little girl. Like like because I, I think it's because you said it as a little girl there that her her motivations don't change because she's still developing everything about her adult character comes from the what she learned as a as a child i mean like they don't change because it's it's like a different person right like she's a creature yeah I, I mean i don't i don't get the sense that she's she's any different you know the character from the beginning part of the film is not any different to me because she came from this underworld you know her trauma i guess is the only change thing that's changed her trauma is not based on this terrifying experience she had in a mirror house, it's changed because she came from this terrifying world and she doesn't want to return there. And that's why she's reluctant about the beach and everything. It's not because of it's a bigger deal, which is a lot of commentary on like the black American experience, right? I guess, um, you know, I don't see it as much. That's the thing The, 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 the commentary there is not as strong. I don't want it hit me over the head like it is and get out necessarily, but I think I prefer that to the just the kind of lack of anything to grab onto that I find in us. I don't I don't see anything specifically, especially a particular black commentary. I don't see a, a very strong argument for that in particular. You know, it's it's a much more vague United States kind of all discussion. I see. I don't see that. I I see that it's very peculiar. I don't think it's like a racial tension thing. I think it's more of like a disposition and what black people are doing for black people to keep them dead. Mm-hmm. Well, just it gets confusing again. Like I said, when you throw in the white family, then as well, and it and it becomes yeah, more, it's like their uh, privilege is like they're leave, living above it. So just like well, you, they're surface dwellers and they can't see the consequence. Well, everyone, like, <laughs> everyone on the of the the tethers, they're on the same level essentially. They're all treated or act exactly the same. You know, they have no communication skills. They all you know act the same. And that's the thing. So they don't really work as mirrors for me either because they're not reflective of anything else of their their real characters. You know, and I, I don't fully buy into the metaphor that whatever metaphor they're supposed to be representing, they could be representing five different things. It doesn't <laughs> seem to be undecided on one particular aspect. I 
I thought you were like pretty average on the film. I didn't realize you were adamantly against it. But I don't like I don't like it from a textual standpoint. It doesn't make much sense going on. But there are a lot of things that are great. I said the score is magnificent. I love the score. I think the acting from most everyone is really fantastic, especially in Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, I'd say the acting is better than Get Out, even. Yeah, I I could potentially get behind that. You know, like I said, Lupita's really great. I'll be surprised she doesn't get nominated for something, because it's a terrifying performance. One of the the best horror performances I've seen as of late, for sure. And I like I like the dad character. Like I said, a lot of things is very well written. Is you know a father was it Winston Duke? This is yeah, actor's he's name. great. He's great. I, I buy into his character. I like him. I like how he he envies the the upper lifestyle. You know the the constant comparisons with the boats and everything. And that, that that's a fun bit. Everything in the beginning, I really like. I really like the character dynamics going on there. It's like I said. It's really only when it becomes apocalyptic that things just tumble out of control and Jordan Peele's ambitions seem to overwhelm his intentions. Yeah, I I feel like um, he was already playing with duality in Get Out, and here he's able to expand it into um, a more meaningful metaphorical context than a straightforward one. Uh, it takes a little bit more working around the edges, but uh, I really appreciate a film that wants you to work for something. Mm-hmm. And by all means, I, I still very much appreciate it. I went out to go see the film because I was very excited and wanted to support you know, Peel's movie, you know, which I didn't get the chance to do in theaters last year. But, you know, and even though I walked out disappointed and a bit frustrated, I was very glad to have seen it. It's still very original, you know, and I want that more than that. I went and saw this over Captain Marvel, you know, there's a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason to go see Captain Marvel this week over this. Yeah, even if you don't like this for any reason, it's still more worth your time and money than... Any of these, uh, you know, repurposed, uh, you know, remake films or whatever. And it's good enough, I wouldn't believe, an entirely negative response. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't I'm not believe that negative. someone could ever find nothing in this film. Like, there's there's something to it and something behind it that works. There definitely there definitely is, you know, a lot of things. Just, I think there's just too many pieces that aren't fully worked out. You know, yeah. it seemed like it'd leave a, a lot more time in the, the writing areas to kind of be fully figured out. Um, um, it's... Know. It's even more learned about like horror history. Also, we should bring up that it. Uh, um, sorry, phone going off. Gotta turn those off before the show. Okay, uh-uh. so, um, where was I? So like Chud, it's about like the underground monsters, right? And right, right. how they come and uh, resurface, and that it has like a stack of the VHSs. It all of them are like uh, either you know it has Goonies, Chud, then it has the right stuff, which is like a. I was thinking about it, like, white privilege or, like, flying above, like, the surface or uh, how it was only white guys going to the moon, you know what I mean? I guess you kind of also get the uh, the same aesthetic from them, uh, you know, you get the famous right stuff walk up and whatnot, and that's kind of how the, the family looks, you know, yeah. assembled together. I guess that's more of a surface level one. But, that's yeah. a good point, too. The, um, I think, uh, did you see uh, Strangers from, like, uh, about ten years ago now? Um, no, I don't, I don't think I did, but, Ooh. you know, I've heard... Yeah, that's one of my favorite like uh, recent home invasion movies, and I mean it seems to be making like meaningful reference to that the way they're like lined out there, and uh, the way they invade the homes. So, right, and uh, all the home invasion stuff I I, I bought into and I enjoyed. And I, I think thought that's, that was good. Uh, from my interpretation, of what you say, I think that's the movie you want you wanted to see, right? Like that's you wanted the home invasion movie. It's not that I wanted something and I didn't get what I wanted. I don't, I'm not that guy. Um, it's that I felt like it got too out of control and all of the pieces just stopped fitting together once the ambition got too grand. 
you know, once you bring in too many larger elements and try and tell a, a huge, all-encompassing story, it's, it's just a little too much to seem for Peel's capabilities at this time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think he's still developing as an artist. I feel like I have a... It's like a gentleman's nine, right? Like, I'm not... Mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is one of the best horror films ever made or uh, one of the best of the last decade. I just think it's a really cool, unique thing that hasn't been made before, and I want to celebrate that. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, uh, more logically, realistically, if you if you took all the merits of the film, you'd probably be like a point less or so. But still very great. You'd enjoy it. But, you know, I feel about the same, and maybe I would be potentially a point higher. It's It's not that... No, the, the points aren't concrete or anything like that by any means. I think on I think the only thing is that stuck with me in a way that I kind of like value that when I'm rating something is like a, am I going to think about this tomorrow? And if not, I it's like a five or a below, right? Like a, us oh, is kind of like stayed in the back of my mind. Um, I never really bought into Peel's thing that like the scariest thing is like a doppelganger. It's nothing I ever thought of actually. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what scares us is different from person to person. You know. Or as subjective as comedy is, you know, which is kind of why they go hand in hand. Like, what really scares you? Is there is there something that that, that like a subject or a particular thing? Like, like scares me. I guess I don't know in what sense. I, I have a huge, huge fear of falling. I don't I don't like heights, but I don't know if that's like a. I don't wake up at night thinking I'm gonna fall. You know, it's not terrifying. I just don't like being around being in high objects. I I guess like submerging uh, things I don't really yeah. like I don't like being like deep underwater is kind of like my main thing um so like submersible stuff and kind of like what lies below something uh, here I'll say I, I I got a better answer I got a better answer my the thing I fear most is being alone being isolated without people <laughs> I I'm I'm terrified I can't handle being by myself necessarily I I very much you know uh, enjoy the company of people I can't live without that. I think Peel comes across more afraid of people to me. Like mm-hmm. He seems to have the opposite instinct, which is might be like a you know like a black or cultural touchstone. Like a, he has this thing in the Get Out commentary where he's like, I I like the idea that I'm black because I know how to handle myself if I run to an obvious problem. Like a white people might not have the same impulse about like crowd control, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not constantly scanning the room, picking out our next threat. Yeah, no, there's definitely a different. Um you know, thing between race there and certainly more alertness from someone who's been more prejudiced over, you know, long periods of society. And uh, the the great news is for both of us, it's our film of the year for uh, March. For currently, I've seen two films. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this one was better than Glass. Surprisingly, the podcast, you came off more negative than with Glass. Because <laughs> I, 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 I have more things to, to nitpick about it i guess i think there's i think there's just a lot more there like i think i think peel's going for a lot more than Shyamalan, and i think it's insulting that people are calling it a Shyamalan twist because there's there's so much more to this than a Shyamalan movie there certainly is and to just talk about the film from the twist perspective is doing a disservice to a lot of it both the good and bad things that come before them the twist is just it I, i get that it you know, I wouldn't even call it a Shyamalan twist. It, it kind of is because, in the sense that it's no. meaningless, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the story. It's just kind of this, this last thing for the audience. And if you think about it, any it falls apart. No, I, I've yeah. been thinking about it for days, and I'm, I'm still, still waiting. Like I didn't get an explanation from you on what the twist changes for the character. <laughs> so, I mean, it it changes the relationship between the mom and the son, especially, and you get that knowing glance from him in the car. He's well, always worn the he's always worn the ma- monster mask over his head, right? And now he realized that he is half monster. 
And so is the he, mask is, is like emblematic of him being a monster. And the... I'm wondering how is how is she a monster though? She hasn't been a monster up in whole time. For as far as I'm concerned, her character is kind of reformed by growing into an adult through a normal life. She doesn't display any weirdness through the, the film or any kind of malicious attitudes. Uh, I mean, I think I think she kind of does once you get to the point of the stabbing, and um, I that, guess. I guess that's the part of the thing, is that if you elevate someone from their position, they're able to find uh, resources, and we could help these people out. Like, what are we doing for the homeless? They could be raised up, and they can be normal people, but they haven't gotten the opportunity to. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. the takeaway I got. I guess, I mean, that that would be the idea if the, the, the twist at the end wasn't presented in such a kind of malicious and, you know, mysterious manner, you know. Like I think it's, it's a little bit of a gotcha moment, isn't it? Well, that's the thing is that it feels strictly for the audience. It feels like a, a way to kind of to, to pull on the audience there at the end. It doesn't feel like a move for the character. And that's, I think, kind of in the, my issue with the film as well, with the imbalance of comedy and horror, is that it feels like the film is trying to act for an audience and it's not trying to be something on its own. All the decisions made feel more like it's supposed to make make you react a certain way and not actually supposed to benefit the the story that's being told. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I think I did react the way that it was looking for. I think that um, I got a lot out of it as, you know, someone that works around, like, recovery and people that are coming from homelessness. I always try to, like, lend a hand, and I've changed in certain ways coming from, like, addiction and whatnot, and I do believe that people with the opportunity will do better. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I, I don't think that's necessarily the the message the movie broadcast, but, I think you so. know, I, I don't blame anyone for any, you know, like, if people get things out of it, that's great still, you know, and there's certainly a lot of things in us, I just don't think it's it's all very kind of cleanly and clearly organized enough to, to really deliver a concrete, singular message. I think people will be writing about this film for years and looking back in it in, like, uh, 10, 20 years and thinking about what it meant uh, to, be, to be an American at this point. Yeah, certainly, but uh, I think just because it's very emblematic of times or it has a lot to, you know, commentary kind of hidden with me doesn't mean that it executed in the best way necessarily. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I like how it's executed, and um, I think we have just a fundamental disagreement on its value there. But that's We fine. are, and we're, we're going to have to leave it that, essentially, and I think we both made good points here, and we didn't try to demean each other's perspectives by any means, which is which is good. <laughs> right. This, this um, was a nice it, civil debate about this film that we were split on. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I think you're wrong, but otherwise, I think. It and I think be. you're wrong, so that's that's how we'll leave it at. And I'm sure the public, you're... the public believes I'm right. I'm looking forward to another first week in the box office. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the wallets don't necessarily dictate quality. I have to say, otherwise, we'd be dictate... heralding the Transformers <laughs> films. <laughs> They just dictate all the films that will be able to get made from now on, and they'll all be like us, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'll take us over Transformers crap. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that at least. I mean, over... I don't think it's quite as good as A Quiet Place. I'd say that as far as modern horror. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then, uh, so did you like this more than Get Out? I guess that's the question. Uh, right? No, not, no, not at all. Um, I mean, I, I might like it more than Get Out. I don't think it's as good of a film, though. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that Get Out is the, the better film, and probably the better film for the decade as well. I think, uh, I think it'll for... be remembered that way, too. I think Us will be a side note on Get Out that uh, Peel made another really good thing, but uh, it wasn't, uh, you know. I think his third movie will probably be his big deal. Yeah, hopefully. I look forward to more from Peel. I think he, he definitely has the talent to supply something great. Do you want, and... like, a, a connected third film? 
No, not necessarily. I don't think this is connected necessarily. You other don't. Than having thematic similarities, <laughs> but but no more thematic similarities than if you take a look at any director's you know work. I did you know. cringe that one time when she was like in the car. She's like, "Get out!" And I was like, "Oh yeah, right." Yeah. <laughs> you made that film, didn't you? You had to bring it up. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things like that. I remember, I think I saw Get Out written on a wall somewhere or something, oh, yeah. too. And and there's there's a lot of obvious broadcasting of what the message is. Like, uh, the whole message is obviously about, uh, you know, like the Jeremiah eleven eleven, right? Like, it's yeah. so obvious what the metaphor is that you don't really, you know, he could probably mm-hmm. lean away from the metaphor next time. Right. Well, like I said, it's, it's very heavy-handed in some aspects, and it's not informative enough in other ways and it's this weird imbalance of both yeah i mean oh i mean if they could have just read the read the little verse there then they could have gotten away with something more right maybe so I don't like, know, I, just seeing jeremiah eleven eleven on people's foreheads it's like it's like wearing a steve austin shirt like 316 <laughs> right like it's mm-hmm. it's like it's like pro wrestling levels of obvious metaphor it's pretty heavy-handed and, and you definitely didn't need to go that way with it I don't know, he's, he's still a, a burgeoning filmmaker. He's learning his things and whatnot. I think that the important thing to remember is that, that Jordan Peele is not some horror genius, you know, that, that just yet. came out of nowhere. No, you know, <laughs> he's doing great work, you know, and it's all very inspired and original, which is fantastic. And we want to see more of that. We want to encourage it. But he's not some, you know, like, god of well, horror filmmakers. You say that, but in three, four days, we're getting a new Twilight Zone, which is like the peak of horror, you know, like the, so, yeah. the early foundation. So he, he has a he has a good influence now. Absolutely. I mean, no argument that he's not a big influential figure. It's just important not to, you know, um, deify him. Yeah, I don't think he needs to be deified. He's made two films. <laughs> yeah. And they're both good. Said, pe- people are already deifying him at the beginning of when Get Out came out in its first week, you know, people will do that. <laughs> I didn't think so. Like it, it took me at least a year to start to start talking well, out of of that. Well, bubble. you're, yeah, you're a fairly rational person, so I wouldn't expect that you would do <laughs> that. But and this is only his second film, so we don't want to get weird about it. We don't want to make any statements like, oh, he's he's the next big deal, and oh, you would never say that a comedian could do this. Uh, that's what that's what happened up. to Shyamalan. You know, like everyone yeah. heralded him as the new Spielberg, and he started being shit. So Jeez. yeah, let's not Shyamalan let's not do that. Yeah. We don't want uh, Peel to be the next Shyamalan. We just want him to keep making these personal horror films about African American experience if he can. Well, or, and and don't you know like pigeonhole him to that either. You know, let him do other things if he wants. He doesn't have to make films just about. Well, you know. I think I think the whole point of them is that we have a lot of we have horror films where African Americans are in front of the camera, right? But not many where they're behind it. So right. that's the great well, thing about his films. Certainly, and that's great. But you know, it doesn't his. The subjects of his film don't solely have to be about that. And they don't solely have to be horror films either. Of course, we want more from him. But, you know, let the man do what he wants. Yeah, I, yeah I'd love to see more. I I can't wait for Twilight Zone. Uh, are you going to be watching? Uh, you know, I don't have uh, the channel or whatever it's on. I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, it's CBS. CBS, uh, it's yeah. It's on the CBS app, whatever that I don't is. Even, yeah, I don't feel like paying for just one <laughs> show. As much as I'd love to, but like it's the same issue. Like I remember when Community came around to Yahoo Screen, that when, huh. when they were trying to do that, and I didn't want to pay for that either. <laughs> well, it's hard, right? Because you're going to have about ten different packages soon. You're going to have as many apps as TV channels. Yeah, and, and this kind <laughs> of what's going. Luckily, 
Luckily, though, I think the, the nice benefit of that is that you can you can quit at any time. You're not signing any contracts with any of these places like oh, yeah. Cable. Yeah, it's not, it's also not like $100 a month for your basic package. So. No, I mean, in, until we start getting a bunch of them, it, it only takes about 10 streaming services to reach that. So, By the way, uh, I guess next couple podcasts we'll have Criterion Channel coming. So. Yes, that's something uh, we skipped over our streaming discussion, so we get straight into us, but I guess we can kind of recap it here real quick. Criterion Channel announced uh, their first lineup here. It's very good. exciting. Yes, two weeks. We're about two weeks away, probably a week and a half when this goes up, from having the Criterion Channel launched. And I can't uh, be more excited. So far, they're doing a lot of, of the stuff that I really wanted, which is they're doing like day and date as they're releasing films. Like we had Detour and we had a, what's it, Nicky Mickey? No, no M- Mikey and Nicky was the first one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> and then, uh, and, you know, we have a. They've had a really great selection of stuff I haven't seen so far. I haven't. I hadn't seen anything that they brought to it yet. So yeah, I'm really the, the excited. First, the first lineup, I don't see anything immediately. That's some of their immediate releases. They announced like all their. I'm not exactly sure if it's in their entire April catalog, uh-huh. or if it's I just so. like their featured stuff that they do on like a kind of weekly or daily or whenever they're adding stuff. You know, hopefully because they're, they're hitting some think, important auteur notes, right? Like you're getting all these Lynch films in there, and there's a lot in there. Yeah, and the, the first big thing they're coming out on the first day, they've got the big uh, Columbia Noir package, which is exciting. That's cool. you got to dive in a lot of those. Yeah, I highly recommend one of the big ones they have featured there is... Um, uh, shit, I can't remember the name right now. It's it's a Fritz Lang one. With, oh, yeah? Uh, big, the Big Heat, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Big Heat yeah. with Glenn Ford. Very fantastic, very famous um, you know, film noir. And it's a really great one to definitely check out. Um, when I mean, secretly, I think the Criterion Channel was the package for noir fans. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of or, great uh, stuff, stuff, and that's where... And just just film buffs in general, I think, like, if you really want a lot of that classic stuff, that's where, you know, I I learned so much of what I've watched. I spent, you know, a year with, like, the film struck there and learned everything I needed to know. Yeah, all black and white until you watch a black horror film. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's about all we have for, for this week for now. We'll come back next week with uh, a different film. And then, a Western. Uh, that's yes. Fun. Going back to Westerns, back to our roots here, where we, me and you really like to thrive, right? Yeah, well, we we got to celebrate America. Yes, uh, unlike with us, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, until next Great. time. <laughs> God bless America.